Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. So much to talk about. It is an SEC Championship Edition show. Very, very happy to be with you guys today. A lot to talk about. Wasn't with you on Friday. Apologize for that. But uh, one of those deals on the road to cover the Bulldogs hoped to have recorded a show on Saturday and uh, didn't bring the headset with me, realized that around Saturday morning and went to a um, local Walmart there in the Colony, Texas. And uh, they were undergoing some renovations and uh, were pretty limited in electronic stock. So wasn't able to pull that off. But we're back today. A lot to talk about. A lot to uh, get you up to speed on. A lot to celebrate in many respects. How about that? I want to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Been here forever and a day. Many of you, as students, bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmart. 
Now it's time to outfit yourself, your family, your home, your automobile with the latest in Running White fashions and novelty items. You can peruse their fine selections by going to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and get free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete, and you know what you need. And stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, they're going to have it for you. You're gonna you you're gonna want that SEC women's basketball championship shirt. You, you're gonna want it. You need it in your life. Go ahead and order four or five today, and use again that promo code BSR and save that free shipping. And again, Campus Bookmark, very very happy to serve you. So let's get into that SEC championship. But that, that, that's our top story. I think we can all agree. There's a lot of great things to talk about that happened over the weekend, and there's a big weekend, a big week ahead. Uh, in Mississippi State Athletics. We'll get into all that. It's going to be a fun week for us. Uh, but all that said, the uh, your ladies win back-to-back SEC Women's Conference Championships. Now, State was picked to win in the preseason by the media, and uh, that was probably fair. One of those things you go back and look, this time last year, when we were finishing up the SEC uh, regular season schedule, and State won last year a little, a little more comfortably last year, didn't have to play South Carolina twice in the regular season last year. Hope that we can avoid that again for a while. Uh, but all that said, State was expected to win. But uh, but last year, I think many people, including myself, felt like, you know, this Texas A&M team looks a little scary. You'll have Andrea Howard back. You'll have Danny back. You've got Kennedy Carter coming back. And I think maybe the consensus pick last year in the postseason was A&M. And a lot changed. Of course, Danny transfers to Texas. Henry O comes to Mississippi State. And uh, of the Bulldogs, I'm, I may be the most happiest for her. Uh, happy for all of them. But uh, Henry O has a chance to come here and be a part of that. And uh, been such a tremendous competitor for Mississippi State. Uh, an outstanding contributor to our basketball program. But it's funny how it all works out. You know, we knew when that schedule came out, Enrio comes in and we begin, okay, now now we've gone from a Sweet 16 team to probably an Elite 8 team. And then you get uh, Andy Espinosa Hunter eligible. You think, okay, maybe we can make another run at the Final Four. And I still believe we can. Uh, things change in a major way. But when that schedule came out and we saw that South Carolina game on the road at South Carolina, we all knew what it was going to boil down to. We did. Now, one of the things that I'll point out, South Carolina has eight, eight losses on a season. They are not an elite team. They are still the toughest competitor in the Southeastern Conference for Mississippi State, without question. And one of the things that I want to talk about there, so many people get caught up in all these things. Uh, you know, Don Staley, we love to, we love to, to beat her. And one of the reasons we do is because she is such a tremendous competitor. And one of the things that I wanted to point out, there is not a star on this South Carolina team. South Carolina is not really an elite team, to be quite honest with you. They're a great team because of Dawn Staley, because there is not a go-to scorer on that team. You know, Vic will get up, and Vic's going to say the right things because Vic is uh, hes a coach, and he didn't want to give them any coach speak or, you know, give them any uh, bulletin board material. But this is not a great South Carolina team. And the fact that they were in contention to win a share of the SEC championship on the final day of the regular season is a tribute to the kind of coach that Don Staley is. There's no Asia Wilson on this team. You know, she had three WNBA draft picks on a team two years ago that won a national championship. And then Asia Wilson, back-to-back players of the year. Uh, you know, so, so you lose all that, and then there you are on the last game of the regular season schedule in your home arena, and you've got a chance to, to win a share of the SEC championship. Listen, that, that is tremendous coaching on her behalf. And they're going to have the number one recruiting class coming in next year. So we've, we've all been there in that respect. You know, you can't expect these freshmen to come in and set the woods on fire. Not in this league. You know, State's got a big recruiting class coming in, too, number six in the country. You know, not a lot of difference when you get in the top ten when it comes to women's basketball recruiting classes. I mean, so, but you're not expecting those guys to come in and transform your program in a year. But uh, 
big win for Mississippi State in a big deal, a big environment to go up there and win. You know, though many times we really wanted that game not to mean anything. We wanted to have had this thing clinch. In order to do that, State would have had to go, you know, basically undefeated in the regular season in the conference schedule. Nearly pulled that off. So now the bracket is set. State is going to uh, face some difficult teams. I mean, so I mean, isn't it, this is the you know it's it's not a, it's not a deep year in the league this year, but there's still some teams that can get you. But there's still you know a lot to unfold you know before we get there. You know, but there, there's a good chance the state can play Kentucky or Missouri. I mean, you know, that's there's going to be some some challenging games. State will play on Friday. State is the number one seed overall in the tournament, as expected. Number one, so no games until Friday evening. So it all gets underway on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, with the, uh, I guess what you'd call a play-in game, uh, the first game is, um, you know, the, the first day is kind of for the also-rans. And uh, that, that being game one will be number 13 seed Florida versus number 12 seed Ole Miss. Congratulations to Ole Miss moving up from 14 to 12 this year. And then Vanderbilt drops to 14. Vanderbilt and Alabama, number 11 seed. That's that's your afternoon game. So we'll have two games on Wednesday, and then uh, it kind of then it re- then it really gets rolling. You know, Thursday you get four games. You have LSU versus Tennessee. They're on Mississippi State side of the bracket, and then Missouri would play the winner between Florida and Ole Miss. That's also on our side of the bracket. The other side of the bracket has Arkansas versus Georgia, a 10-7 matchup, and then Auburn versus the winner of game two, that being the Vanderbilt-Alabama game. Then we get into Friday. And so State will play the uh, the early game on Friday, and that will be the winner of the LSU-Tennessee game. That's a 9-8 game, LSU versus Tennessee. Uh, you never know what to get from what to expect from Tennessee. And listen, that Tennessee is kind of a scary team in this respect. They have not played up to expectations this year. There has never been an NCAA women's tournament that did not have Tennessee in it. I believe in order for them to make the tournament, they're going to have to win the tournament or at least make it to the, to the SEC tournament championship game. So they're going to come into that deal reckless, ready to go, Understanding, they've probably got to win the tournament. That coaching staff probably understands they're coaching for their professional lives. Tennessee has a ton of talent, a ton of talent, and so they're a team that's capable of making a run in this thing. So they are dangerous in that respect. Mississippi State is not a good matchup for LSU. That's the reality of it two dreadful first quarters uh, in that ball game both times in, in Baton Rouge and here. Uh, so, you know, I think, honestly, I'd rather play LSU, uh, but the, with the intensity that State would play against against Tennessee, that always understands that's a dogfight. But uh, I really, you know, I think State could be the one of them, but I, I really do. I really would not prefer to play Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee has a lot more talent than LSU. And if Tennessee figures it out, they can make a run in this thing. There's no doubt about it. So in the event State wins on Friday, if State wins Friday, then you, you get to the uh, the Saturday, that would be the semifinal game, and uh, you know, you're probably going to see, I would suspect, you know, Missouri or Kentucky, an NCAA tournament team. And, of course, Missouri beat State in Humphrey Coliseum last year. State had they needed a you know, last-second shot from Victoria Vivians to beat Missouri. It's just not a great matchup for us. Sophie Cunningham always seems to elevate her game against us. One of the one of the league's and nation's best players. So that's State's road to Sunday. A lot of people are saying, "Well, it'll end up being State in South Carolina again." You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know if that's the case. And uh, you know, if I'm South Carolina, I'm a little worried about Texas A&M. They're kind of figuring some things out, A&M being the three seed in the tournament. But it's an exciting week. So it all starts Wednesday, but the ladies don't play until Friday. You get that double bye. You avoid Wednesday and Thursday. And so you've got to win three games. And Mississippi State has never won the SEC Women's Tournament Championship. Never. We've won back-to-back SEC titles for the first time in school history. We've made it to the SEC Tournament Championship game three years in a row. 
We hadn't won it. South Carolina's found a way. South Carolina also has the benefit of having played Mississippi State twice. They know what works. They just hadn't been able to finish. State absolutely destroyed South Carolina when they came to Humphrey Coliseum. Neutral floor, somewhat neutral floor. It will be in Greenville, South Carolina. A lot of Bulldog fans will be there. Uh, I, I thought the officiating yesterday was horrendous. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the full game until I got home from, from Frisco. But it's kind of par for the course. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to say, I, I saw some people upset about Vic getting the technical foul. Vic deserved a technical foul. Okay? Let's just go ahead and lay that out there. I think Vic also intentionally got the technical foul. I think Vic was trying to, number one, make a point to the officials that he had had it. Because that first half, the officiating was about as bad as it's been all year. It's kind of human nature for officials to get on a roll with a team, especially the home team, because you hear the crowd cheer and that sort of stuff. It's very, very difficult, you know, to expect people to be 100% unbiased. But uh, South Carolina got the benefit of a lot of calls in that first half. And uh, it's funny to go read social media, and, and you would think that, that you know, Tierra McCowan was a bull in a china shop. Tierra got very, very little room to move. I, I thought that uh, what Vic said last week was rather poignant, is that, uh, you know, it's tough to be her because she gets she gets penalized for being big. And it's not her fault that the people around her aren't her size or aren't her skill level. So anytime there is any type of a collision there, more times than not, she is going to get whistled. And I felt that was the case in the first half. And in the second half, after Vic gets a technical, and it was a horrendous call, okay, it was terrible. They called the foul on Andy, and the near side and the baseline official both let the play continue, and then the backside official from, you know, 50, 60 feet away makes the call. Number one, it's not her call to make. Number two, it wasn't a foul. Well, then Vic throws a fit, gets a technical, and it's amazing how things kind of began to change after that. A lot less whistles, and when there were whistles, it seemed like State started to get the benefit of the doubt a little bit, and State begins to pull away. So it's kind of rare for Vic to get a tee, but he deserved that technical foul. And even after, you know, he was very colorful after the technical foul, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, but uh, he deserved the technical foul, <laughs> and I, I think it, he wanted to get the technical foul, and then his team responds. I didn't think we had a big day out of uh, Unreal Howard from a scoring standpoint, uh, even though we got 13 points out of it. Five of 18 from the field, that's not going to happen very often. You know, ten, you know, South Carolina kind of benefits in the fact that Unreal didn't have a great day shooting the basketball. She did pull down 16 rebounds, 13 total points, 16 rebounds, a double-double for her. Got in a little foul trouble early in the ball game, able to kind of navigate through that. 38 minutes of action. Tierra McCowan, 7 of 8. State made more of a concerted effort getting her the ball later in ball games. One of the things that I will point out to you, too, is uh, my wife gets upset with me when I talk this way. But if Alexis Jennings from South Carolina and Tierra McCowan played one-on-one 10 times and the game is officiated properly, Tierra is going to win all 10 times. And then we could line up and do it again a month from now, and Tierra's going to win all 10 times. And then a year from now, and Tierra's going to win all 10 times because Tierra is simply better. And people say, well, you know, you learn something each game, and that's true. But, you know, listen, we could go out and play Michael Jordan one-on-one a thousand times and never win a ball game. Now, that disparity is not as big between these two. But Alexis Jennings is not athletic enough to play with Tierra McCowan. The only way to level that playing field is to skew the officiating in Alexis Jennings' favor. She absolutely had zero chance to stop Tierra McCowan, zero chance to pull down a rebound when Tierra McCowan had position. It was just that simple. And that is is something that is kind of consistent with players who play against Tierra McCowan. But, you know, for two years, all I've heard about Alexis Jennings is she is a very, very average player. And I thought Tierra really showed that yesterday. Jennings, two of nine from the field, made a couple free throws, did pull down nine rebounds, seven of them on the offensive end. So good effort for her. But a lot of that, too, sometimes she's rebounding her own miss, pitches in six points. And so in the event State faces them again, if that game is officiated correctly, State's going to win again. 
Andy Espinosa comes up 17 points. Outstand early in the ball game when when the middle was kind of clogged. We were having a difficult time driving to the rack, and and uh, Jordan and Jazz were having a tough time, you know, getting to the rim. We had a tough time getting the ball to Tierra. Uh, Andy kind of carried us. You hit a couple big shots, and and that's uh, one thing you begin to look at next year and think about Chloe Bibby and and Andy playing together. That that's uh, that's that's a winning combination there. But very, very big, and I think Andy's going to be big down the stretch. Put in 35 minutes, 35 minutes. Uh, got called for um, four personal fouls, and I think two of those were legitimate. It's one of those things. You know, even, even a state you know, in the first half, it seemed like all the calls went South Carolina's way. In the second half, they kind of swallowed their whistles until late, and it seemed like State out hustled them. Uh, Jasmine Holmes, Jordan Danbury, not great shooting nights. They did a little bit better from uh, mid range. But uh, not a big night. 3 of 12 for Jazz, 4 of 11 from Jordan. That's not going to happen very often. Jordan also struggled at the free line, 4 of 10. State's 15 or 27 from the line. And if, you, if you have a typical night shooting free throws for Mississippi State, State wins this ball game 15, 20 points. If the game is officiated correctly, it's at least 20 points. State out rebound South Carolina, 51 to 37. 51 to 37. It's ridiculous. Herb Harrigan had 11 rebounds South Carolina. Probably she didn't get enough credit for the player she is. Again, not a star on that team, but uh, she's a, a very gritty and uh, gutsy competitor. Pitched in 13 points. Ty Harris had 20, which kind of surprises me, to be honest with you. Uh, she always seems to kind of elevate against us, but you know, Ty Harris, they uh, and this is where the SEC Network, I think, does a great job. They promote these players. And uh, I think Ty Harris is an above-average player. I, I do not think she is a great player. I thought she had a good game yesterday. Uh, I think she also benefited from the fact that uh, State got a little sloppy with the basketball at times, like after the inadvertent whistle. By the, it just so happened to be the official that called the technical foul on Vic. Part of the problem all year with officiating. But, uh, but all that being said, you know, she got some baskets in transition. Uh, Ty Harris is a liability on defense. And, and that's one of the things when you look at these games, like look at last, both of the games that start over the last two years, she cannot run with Mississippi State's guards. And so when State is able to get out in transition, State is able to kind of expose her. She fouled out last year because she simply cannot run. She is not athletic enough to run with Jasmine Holmes or Jordan Danbury, so she has to reach and grab. I thought South Carolina did a great job kind of preventing those situations and kind of forcing State to win more in the half court. Uh, and so as a result, you know, Ty Harris makes a couple of big shots uh, in the ball game. Really kind of kept them in it because uh, they only had two players scoring double digits. A lot of players played, but they, they did not get a lot of uh, production offensively. Uh, Bianca Cuevas-Moore only played 24 minutes, and she's 3 of 13 from the field. And I think that's big for State. She is, She's kind of the... Um, you're kind of the energizer bunny for them. She gets out and really runs, and uh, she can be a volume scorer. You know, if you allow her to get out there and pass the lane, she can go from defense to offense very quickly. State did a really good job because of the fact that uh, State had guards that could run with her. I really felt like when uh, State was denying Ty Harris to basketball, I thought Jasmine Holmes did a great job. A couple of times she got called for fouls that uh, were almost uh, kind of anticipated calls by officials there. But the bottom line is this. A state goes to South Carolina, and they are good enough to beat both South Carolina and the officials. And down the stretch, it, to me, it seemed like it was just a matter of time that uh, Vic Schaefer's team just kind of exerted their will, uh, won the basketball game. So state finishes the regular season 27-2, and 15-1, expected to be a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. And a lot of people are saying, well, I'd rather be a one. Uh, and, I, and listen, I'm not scared of uh, UConn. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that say, I want to avoid UConn. This is not the UConn team of, you know, three or four years ago. Uh, this is a, a very good UConn team. But I, I think State matches up well with UConn, especially with uh, Katie Lou Samuelson or uh, Katie Lou Flopson, whatever you want to call her, uh, a little bit banged up. I, I think even at full strength, that's a that's an advantageous matchup for State. I know we really don't want to go to Auburn and New York. But the reality of things is I believe – that if State is a two-seed in the UConn bracket, State can go win that bracket. State matching up with Baylor as a one and a two in the uh, you know, Greensboro Regional, it makes it easy for us to go. But at the same time, 
uh, you know, I think that's a matchup that State could win. There's not really anybody I look at and say, you know, their head and shoulders are better than us or that State wouldn't uh, wouldn't have an opportunity to win. I think State can compete against anybody in the country. And so when I, I think the days of us looking at brackets and say, oh, I really don't want that bracket, I think those days are kind of over because I believe right now what we're pursuing is a national championship. And I believe if we get good officiating on a neutral floor that we can compete with and beat anybody in the country. I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company for their sponsorship of the show. You need to be a part of that program, too. Uh, if you have not been to Bulldog Burger recently, we encourage you to go by. Find some new favorites. There, Sometimes it's so easy, you find something that works for you, and you kind of stick with it. I'm going to encourage you to get out there and have a little variety in your life. Kind of live on the wild side a little bit. I'm still kind of on the angry bird salad kick right now because it is so substantial. You can go there for lunch, and uh, you, you know how sometimes you, you have that lunch, you kind of rush and have lunch, and then by the time dinner rolls around, you're absolutely starving. That's not going to happen if you have that angry bird. Uh, salad. I encourage you to go by and give that an opportunity. If you're a little bit health conscious, that's the way to go. And maybe, maybe you don't want something quite so hearty in a salad because it is a very substantial salad. Maybe get the Cal State salad. You've got some options there. But you need to reward yourself some time for a great restaurant quality hamburger. And you're going to find that at Bulldog Burger Company. It is a restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. Run by Mississippi State people, owned by Mississippi State people, serving Mississippi State people. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So if you guys were not aware, uh, I was uh, spent the weekend at the uh, Frisco Classic. And, uh, man, what a great venue that is. Dr. Pepper Ballpark there. Dr. Pepper Park, technically. There in Frisco, Texas. Blown away. Absolutely blown away by the facility. The weather was not great. But I'll tell you, the people there ran a great event. Uh, your players had a great time. Had uh, great performances on the field. But uh, if you don't get a chance to go and watch a road series, and I know, I know it's a, more, a little more of a commitment time-wise. You know, for football, everybody kind of turns out for that. But uh, when you go to an away game baseball series, it's it's a mini vacation. And, you know, you're really only spending the two nights. You know, you get there on game day for Friday, and you go to the game, check in the hotel. and But it's such a laid-back atmosphere. I love going and covering all that stuff because, number one, there are a lot of Bulldog fans I don't get to see ordinarily. There are a lot of Bulldog fans on game day football we don't get to see. And like when, so when the Bulldogs take a show on the road, it's nice to be able to go and have a chance to see those folks, the, uh, the fine folks at the uh, East Texas Mississippi State Alumni Association had a chance to take their picture for them and uh, uh, speak with them and visit for a little while and uh, enjoy being able to do that. But I'll tell you, the Mississippi State baseball team is good. I don't know if you know this. Mississippi State's good at baseball. Mississippi State, a big, big weekend. Uh, very, very happy with the results of that weekend. Now, that's Sam Houston State team. Uh, and some people may have forgotten this. Matt Deggs, the head coach at Sam Houston State, was actually a candidate for the Mississippi State job. Didn't get it, obviously, but he was a candidate. He is a guy baseball people love, Matt Deggs. I have talked to so many people that, uh, that cover college baseball extensively and they will tell you that he he is in line probably one of the top candidates to get a big power five type baseball job he is next you know should something happen with one of these you know big jobs in the sec matt deggs his name's going to be on the short list that sam houston state team very, very scrappy. They're going to win a lot of games in their league. And that, that's a big win for State because I think that's going to be an RPI boost. Because they'll, they've got a good chance to go win their conference. The uh, Colin Cowser kid, freshman, uh, if you are not a Mississippi State person and uh, didn't know anything about him like I, I did not know anything about Sam Houston State's roster until we got there. The Colin Cowser kid is outstanding. Even the outs against Mississippi State were loud outs three-hole hitter as a true freshman, and he was at the plate when Cole Gordon picked off Damian Sims to end the ball game. Uh, you, you may not know how that all set up, but uh, you know, they, they pinch run. They get they get a hitter on, and then they pinch run uh, Damian Sims, who is their uh, fastest player, former Arkansas Razorback, transferred out to get more playing time at Sam Houston. Hasn't really worked out uh, where he's played a whole lot, but Cole picks him off. Uh, one of the things, too, is kind of, I'll be honest with you, a little, a little irritated. Uh, some of our fans, for some reason, 
feel the need to have to apologize when we win something. It's almost like we can't win a ball game in any sport unless we were lucky or had the benefit of a call or something. Guys, we won the ball game against Sam Houston State because we scored more runs and because we were the better baseball team. It's as simple as that. So some of that mentality, some of that, oh, poor old Mississippi State stuff, that needs to die off. I mean, and, and, and I guess I will do my best to help kill some of that off. I'm so tired of it. And I think most people that truly love Mississippi State are tired of that mentality as well. So when we win the ball game, let's just win the ball game and be happy. We don't have to, you know, and some of you I know want to go be cool for your old Miss friends, you know, uh, which is another reason why I don't have any. Because uh, you, you don't want to go up Monday, show up Monday and, and poking your chest out a little bit and have them say, oh, well, that should have been a balk. You, you kind of go ahead and get ahead of that. You know, so rest your insecurity somewhere else. Uh, those of us that love Mississippi State athletics and those of us that love Mississippi State baseball and those of us that love these players and coaches, uh, we just want to enjoy the ball game. Without all this stuff, this you know, people trying to forecast failure and that sort of stuff, those, you know, that, that's just ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely so over all of that. We won the ball game. Move forward. And then, you know, fortunately... We were so lucky to win again. Oh, my gosh. We we were lucky to beat the number three team in the country. And it's like I even saw some of that on social media. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, so glad we got to play them in bad weather. You know, listen, that win's going to count just the same today as it would have been if it was a 75-degree and, and breezy day in the Texas spring. The bottom line is we played in the same environment that Texas Tech did, and we actually played them better. JT Ginn goes out there on a national stage and puts together a national championship caliber performance, limiting one of the most prolific offenses in the country to three hits. And the two runs they got, they just kind of manufactured, or they just kind of willed those things along. It's not like they went and get, you know, put a bunch of some hits together and found a way to score runs. Now, every time, sometimes they, uh, they were the benefit of Mississippi State making some mistakes there. I think if we make a couple of defensive plays, we limit them to one hit. They had the smash through Foscue, and, and you know that ball was absolutely crushed. I have seen Justin make that play, but you know you don't. It was ruled a hit, and it should have been ruled a hit. It wasn't an error, but I I have seen him make that play. But that ball was on him so quickly. Uh, that's really one of the only balls that I saw Texas take barrel up. They did have a long fly ball to left in the uh, I guess the eighth inning that uh, was was a blister or seventh inning was blister pretty good. Another ball hit to the right side. Gunnar Halter, kind of a uh, kind of a slow first step there. Then he gets there and has to lay out for it. Uh, I think if he reads that ball better off the bat, you make that play. And so that's two plays there you look at. They were both ruled hits, should have been ruled hits. But I have seen our guys make those plays before. And so you get the ground ball. You, you didn't make the play. But, uh, again, that one to Foskey was crushed. I mean, I, you know, there's – I'm not being critical of him. My point being is that JT Ginn, as well as he pitched a couple more defensive plays, it would have looked even better. It would have been an even more dominant performance. But State finds a way. You know, State simply found a way uh, to play just enough defense, to put together just enough hits uh, to win that ball game. And uh, the ball wasn't really flying. I'll be honest with you, it really wasn't flying in in that game. It was miserable. But that's a bit of a loud win. That's a statement win for Mississippi State. You go beat Sam Houston State, who will, uh, who I believe will be a tournament team. And you beat Texas Tech, who is uh, one of the favorites to win the Big 12. Uh, with Texas sweeping LSU, I think it's uh, if Texas kind of serve a notice, they're not going to sit back and let Tim Tadlock's team go win the thing. Speaking of Coach Tim Tadlock, spoke with him in the postgame. He said that uh, JT Ginn's slider – it's just not something they see regularly. He goes, you know, he said he's got a good fastball, and we see that a lot. He said, but the spin on that slider must be really tight. He said, because his guys routinely could lay off that slider on the outer half, and uh, they did not. That's one of the reasons State got so many, you know, ground balls in that ball game is because they're swinging over the top of it. And so when they were making contact, they are beating the ball in the, base, in the ground. So JT shows again, and it's been kind of a step up in competition. You have the first 
outing against Youngstown State, and that's just a you know, college baseball team. And if you recall, he gave up a home run. <laughs> Two-run home run in the first inning. Then you step up and you go play Southern Miss, who was a tournament team at the time, a top-20 team, a team expected to win Conference USA. And then you go play an, a college World Series contender in Texas Tech. And the better the competition has gone, the better JT has been. Uh, it's one of those things now, people, and, and listen, I want to be careful with this. We do not need to let irrational exuberance rear its ugly head at this point. Because, right, you know, listen, I, I, I'm giddy too. After going on the road and spending a couple days and watching these guys up close and watching them on the road and, and hearing the national baseball people talk so glowingly about Mississippi State, it's easy to get caught up in that. And I, I, listen, I, I'm not trying to say let's don't enjoy baseball season because I think it's going to be a special year. But let's not get out of our skis here. Let's just enjoy one game at a time. Now, the next game on the schedule, and we'll have an opportunity to visit with Chris Lamonis later today, will be about Eastern Carolina. State will play Eastern Carolina on Tuesday. Going to be frigid temperatures, which makes you, you know, wish, I wish, it is a part of me, I wish we'd played against Nebraska yesterday. But it is what it is. Um, Travel concerns was a big part of that, too. A lot of those teams, you know, the temperature was continuing to drop. There's a lot of moisture in the air. Uh, a little worried about those guys getting back. But State will play South Carolina. Current first pitch is set for 630. There is some talk that they might move the game up. I haven't heard that officially, just kind of hearing some rumors about that. So kind of check with us and be mindful of that. Check jeanspage.com and check hellstate.com for that. Wednesday, State expected to play Arkansas Pine Bluff. So it's a, it's a weekend kind of week similar to last week, except East Carolina a better team than anybody you played last week. And then State will host Maine this weekend. So you have five home baseball games this week. You can get your fill the last non-conference weekend of the season. And uh, next weekend we'll be going to Florida. How big is that? Florida currently ranked fifth in the country. Your Bulldogs up to number seven. So five home games this week, and we need you to beat all five of them. I'm actually going to miss uh, Friday night. Uh, my wife's going to run a race on Saturday. I'll be going with her. A lot of the guys I work with took last weekend off. I'll take this weekend off. I hate missing, but I will, I will be back on Sunday. And so, uh, But all that said, this is a good opportunity for State to kind of get fat here. This is a week. You look, State had, had an undefeated week last week, won four ball games, two of them very, 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 very big. You got a chance this weekend to go get five. Uh, and I'm expecting him to get all five of them. That makes you 15 and one, and uh, that makes you right there in the cusp, right there, you know, right around some of the top teams in the country, heading into SEC play. Then you have Grambling next Wednesday, and so I think realistically, you look at this thing. If State goes out and takes care of business this week, you're 16 and one headed down to Gainesville, Florida, uh, and with a top 10 matchup, possibly a top five matchup, very early in the season, be a good barometer of where we are as a program to head down there and be able to win that series. And so you remember a couple of years ago we went down there and we won that thing. And, um, you know, it's one of those things in the schedule. I guess it was Reed Humphreys goes in there and has the big series for us. When, when, when you go down there and you play as well as we did, uh, you get people's attention. Florida has been up and down in the midweek, but uh, Florida has some arms. But uh, before we get there, we've got some things to kind of handle. But this is a big week. Plenty of opportunities to come out and enjoy Mississippi State baseball. We encourage you to do that. The Duty Noble Field experience is unlike any other in college baseball. And uh, talking to national people this weekend, there are some people who have been, like Aaron Fitt, some of the people that have not. They're like, you know what, i got to get down there. And everybody's like, dude, you, you've got to go see it. You have to go see it. And so if you're a Bulldog fan and you haven't been able to make the trip yet, you need to make plans to do so. And some people are waiting for the big weekend. There's a lot to know about tickets, okay? There's a lot to understand Grandstand tickets are sold out, and so you're going to have to kind of go on there and, and kind of go to the ticket exchange or whatever and, and find some tickets, and so you got to be careful with that. Uh, but uh, if the general admission tickets, there are no bleachers down the lines anymore. You can sit on the berm. You can walk around. There's standing room only tickets. you got the chair rail. It's a different deal, so understand you're not going to be able to walk up to the, the ticket office on the day of the game and say, hey, let me get a grandstand tickets because there are none to sell. It's all been sold. So go ahead and prepare ahead of time. Go ahead and reach out, make your arrangements. And one other thing I want to say too, because there's so much that goes on on campus, and we're, you know we've got we've got one men's basketball game left on campus, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But 
There's lots going on on campus. We have uh, the NCAA Women's Tournament. That'll be announced, and we'll be here for that. We'll have an opportunity to play, uh, you know, at home those first two rounds. But we're done with the regular season. But there's a lot of times things are going on on campus. And so let me go ahead and encourage you to do this, okay? And if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Please plan ahead and know where you're supposed to park and how you're supposed to get there. Because that little road, I don't know the name of it, but the road that runs behind Humphrey Coliseum on Dirty Noble Field. It's recently paved for the most part. We've still got some to go. But uh, that one road right there gets very, very, very congested. And I would say 99 times out of 100, when, when I'm making that drive to go get to my parking area, there are people, multiple people, that are having to stop and ask the event management people where they are supposed to park. Well, let me tell you this. Those people uh, really are only responsible for their lot. They generally don't know the campus layout, and they also don't know the parking map. All they know is what's their responsibility, and it's not that they're being difficult. It's not that they're trying to give you a hard time. It's not that they don't want to help you. It's they don't have the information to help you, Okay. So just understand that right out of the gate. So take some responsibility for yourself. Look at the, the campus parking map prior to making the trip to Starkville. If you're a single serving ticket guy, you know what I'm saying. The, those of you that have parking passes, you understand. But go ahead and plan ahead because all you're going to do is frustrate yourself because you're going to stop at every one of those you know, little sawhorse operations and there's going to be somebody there and it looks to be there in official capacity and they're not going to know how to advise you. So plan ahead, know where you're supposed to park, uh, and, uh, and understand it, it's not you can't drive up here 20 minutes before first pitch and just kind of whip into a parking spot and get out of your car and come. That's just not how it's going to work. So plan ahead. MSU well represented at the NFL Combine uh, over the weekend and uh, still ongoing now. Defensive backs go today, and uh, a lot of talk about Jonathan Abram, Jamal Peters, Mark McLaurin, those guys. And so uh, they'll go today. Nick Fitzgerald. A uh, pretty good weekend for him. Some discussion about you know asking him if he'd work out some at tight end. Listen, knowing what we know about Nick, and people forget that Nick was a high school wide receiver until his senior year. He was kind of a mop-up quarterback as a junior because he played behind a Division One prospect that went on and played uh, in an option-style offense at Air Force. But um, you know, Nick is so athletic that he is he is willing and capable to play multiple positions, and so he is he's a guy that can play tight end. Uh, runs, I guess, a 4 6 five, 40. Uh, Good time for him. And, uh, you know, Nick is one of those guys that's very intriguing. And, and I, I expect Nick will have an opportunity somewhere. There are a lot of people out there very intrigued by him because he is such a playmaker. And I think people want to make sure that he's healthy. And and, uh, and, and he is. He threw the football very well. And uh, I think a lot of people are, are kind of sleeping on Nick a little bit. And I think some people will take a chance on him because he is so athletic. And so... Uh, probably a later draft pick, but you know, there has been some buzz that he could go uh, third, fourth, fifth round. We've heard some talk about him getting some uh, mid-round attention. That uh, That is rather intriguing. We want all those Bulldogs to have an opportunity, for sure. Uh, Elton Jenkins, Deion Calhoun, both big days. Elton Jenkins really just kind of solidifying what everybody knows about him. He is a top center in this draft. Now, centers usually don't go very early. Could be second or third round pick, but uh, he's a bit of a freak of an athlete. Deion Calhoun had a uh, a big uh, workout as well. Uh, did a good job in the three-cone drill and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he, he a good agility guy, a guy that can get out and move. And that's one of the things in this league and in, in the SEC that you find is guys that can get out and be mobile and not just be big guys that block, but guys that can be athletic and go be an athlete. That's what Deion Calhoun is. And so I think he has probably taken a step forward. I think him going to the combine was huge for him. Uh, expecting to see him get drafted somewhere. But uh, arguably the hero of the weekend, Montez Sweat, uh, with a 4-4-1, 40-yard dash. And uh, at his, his size, that is uh, nightmarish. A lot of people were saying, okay, well, he's a first-rounder. Well, then he's projected to be a top-10 guy. And then he goes out and does that. Kind of solidified himself as a top-10 guy. Arguably the best pass rusher in the draft. Uh, and so big, big weekend for him. Expected him to make some money very, very quickly. I think he'll be one of the first guys to come off. We'll have Pro Day here in a couple of weeks here on campus. Uh, eager to see how he performs there, too. But, I, you know, 
I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever run 40 yard dash again. If I'm Montez Sweat, I might have run the last 40 yard dash of my life, and I'll just. Uh, it's kind of like Jerry Seinfeld. Remember the race, the race when uh, he won the race with the against the uh, the other students because he got the head start and nobody knew it. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name. The guy wanted the rematch and he won again. And so it's kind of like if if I'm Sweat, I'm just going to rest on my previous performance because I've got nothing else to gain. Uh, with this 40-yard dash. A lot of people talked about uh, DK Metcalf over the weekend. Tremendous 40-yard dash for him. Kind of a freakish-looking player uh, right now. You can tell that guy's really, really worked hard. Uh, I don't understand all of the angst that goes on with all this stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, you want everybody to have an opportunity to go take care of themselves. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and so, you know, listen, when the guy goes up there and does well, you know, you tip your cap, move on. Uh, you know, those guys, that that those guys that left there early, A.J. Brown, those guys are leaving Ole Miss without ever having a winning record. And they lost two of three Egg Bowls. Uh, didn't get to go to a bowl game and, and really didn't accomplish a whole lot team-wise while they were there. But they, they used that opportunity to, to help themselves to get into position for for NFL, uh, you know, millions. And so, you know, somebody will take a chance on D.K. Metcalf very early. Uh, he is very stiff. He is straight line fast. As uh, people talk about, he has he's alligator fast. Runs real fast on a straight line. Change of direction, not very good. He's really kind of stiff, and you saw that in the three-cone. Uh, but all that being said, you know, when I see these people get all upset about A.J. Brown, listen, those guys are they're, they're not Mississippi State's problem anymore. You know, we don't have to play them anymore. And so we can move on from that. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm one of those kind of people. I want our Mississippi State Bulldogs to be uh, – to be the best they can be, but uh, I don't harbor any ill will against those guys. I, I think the fact that uh, their final game in the Ole Miss uniform was a 35 to three loss against Mississippi State is enough for us to kind of walk away from the rivalry with those guys and say, you know what, uh, best of luck to you in the future. But uh, your last time that you you played on the football field against us, you know, you got your brains beat in. And so uh, there's no, I don't see any need to to insult add insult to injury if you know what I'm saying. So. Uh, Let's focus on what happens at Mississippi State and uh, wish everybody else the best. Uh, but, Diane, listen, it's and I see these folks, too, and it's I kind of snicker. I see some of the Mississippi media, you know, they get all excited about the Ole Miss stuff and say, man, it's so great to see our Mississippi kids doing well. Then they don't tweet anything out about the Mississippi State guys. You know, it's just funny. You know, it's all about Mississippi when it's their guys, you know, but it's not about Mississippi when it's Mississippi State guys. But, but it be that as it may. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. And so, a uh, big week for Mississippi State men's basketball. Did not have a good showing over the weekend. Uh, did not play well at Auburn. State made a run there within three points late. You end up losing 80-75. to 75. It just kind of felt like it wasn't our day. We watched a little bit of that in the press box while we were watching Sam Houston State and in, in, uh, Nebraska finish up their ball game before State played Texas Tech. Uh, but that was one, you know, we'd hoped to win. State had done a good job and won five in a row. And then you drop a tough one on the road at Auburn. Got two opportunities now to kind of improve the seating here. Got to uh, play at Tennessee on Tuesday. Uh, Tennessee is a tough matchup for Mississippi State because of those monsters inside. I mean, you know, Schofield and Williams, those guys are just monsters. Absolute monsters inside. State's got to find a way to kind of negate some of that. If not, Tennessee playing at home, they will eat you up on the glass. Uh, that's going to be a tough assignment for State. I do expect State to bounce back and play play well down the stretch. This Saturday, March 9th, Senior Day, Senior Day, and uh, Quindary, those guys deserve it. They, they deserve you to be there. We need a capacity crowd. Uh, March 9th, Texas A&M's coming in. That's a game, if you look at it, if I'm, if I'm being realistic and not being a homer, I expect State to drop that ball game in Tennessee, and I expect them to win this Saturday. And uh, that gives you ten. It gives you a ten and six mark in the league. And uh, considering that we started zero and two, uh, and then kind of chased the five hundred mark throughout the season, to be able to finish with ten wins in this league would be tremendous. And so, a step in the right direction. That's what needs to happen. And then, uh, then we get ready to go and have an opportunity to play in the, the Southeastern Conference tournament in Nashville, Tennessee. That happens the next week. And so, a lot to keep up with, a lot of rooting interest if you're a Bulldog fan. You're going to get your fill. I think today is the only day, yeah, today is the only day we don't have, uh, you know, a game to play. I think that's correct. Let me think here, maybe Thursday? Yeah, I don't think we play Thursday. So, 
Uh, yeah, so so we got men's basketball on Tuesday, baseball Tuesday, baseball Wednesday, baseball Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Women's tournament begins uh, on Wednesday. Mississippi State plays on Friday, and of course the men play uh, on Saturday. So you've got a lot to look forward to and a lot to feel good about. Very, very exciting times, and uh, it's a busy time of year. And on top of all of that, guess what's going to happen? Spring practice starts tomorrow, March 5th. So we'll have Joe Moorhead Tuesday night, and we'll have Bob Sheep on Thursday. So look for all of that. And so everything kind of converging as one at spring sports. So just as basketball is beginning to wind down and get into one of the most exciting months of the year, spring football is getting cranked up. And so then we'll have spring break. We'll take some time off for that. And then uh, we'll be in the SEC Baseball Series uh, next weekend. And so a lot to keep up with. Football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball's doing well. Uh, the new thunder and lightning is Rafael Palmero said. And Rafael threw out the first pitch this weekend. How about that? Introduced as uh, Texas Rangers legend Rafael Palmero. You know, our Texas Rangers great. It's good to see Rafael. Really good to see Rafael. And good to see him back around the program a lot. Uh, really, really good. And I'll tell you, and I'll share with you this. Uh, had a message shared with us uh, late last week from uh, Rafael Palmero about how grateful he was to be able to come to Mississippi State and uh, enjoy the festivities and have nobody bring up any negative stuff. That just It was really a celebration that he and his family were able to come back and just kind of remember the Thunder and Lightning days and uh, kick off Dirty Noble Field's uh, you know, first big weekend and not have anybody bring up any nonsense. And... Um, yeah, I'm I'm proud of that too because I think that's what the weekend should have been about. It should have been about Mississippi State and about celebrating Rafael Palmero and Will Clark and Jeff Brantley and Ron Polk and celebrating our past and looking ahead to our future. My hope is we can close the book on all that the uh, nonsense associated with all of that and just look back on our times with those guys and be very very grateful that they wore the maroon and white. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Wednesday. Looking forward to being back with you guys. Uh, looking forward to this great week. Hope to see you guys out at the ballpark. Uh, again, big week. Uh, make plans to attend. Pack the car. Bring the kids. Make memories as long as you can. And have as much fun as you can. Because um, there's so many things that happen in life. We're not we're not guaranteed tomorrow. That's for sure. And I don't know how long all this is going to last. You know, I, and I say that a lot. And, and uh, you know, I've had some people say, well, Steve, you're being negative. And I'm not being negative. I'm just saying let's appreciate the moment. Let's don't take for granted the fact that we are competitive on all fields of play right now. We're going to have an unprecedented year in athletics this year. You look at the fact the you know, football goes to the postseason. Uh, we expect baseball to go. Men's and women's basketball are going. We expect softball to go. This is going to be a year basically where we have everybody punch their tickets and be able to go play in an NCAA tournament. And uh, that is kind of rarefied air for us. And I don't think we should ever take that for granted or ever get spoiled to the fact uh, that we've got some great teams to cheer for. And, again, I don't know how long that's going to last. And that, that's not the forecast failure, but I just know at some point it's, not, it's, it's never been this good before, and it may not be this good again. So while it's here, let's pack the car, get out there, bring the kids, buy the shirt, make the memories, and enjoy the moments as long as we can. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.